Welcome to Pick Me Up Pod. This is the podcast where we are destigmatizing everything and anything menstrual health, from your period to birth control to pregnancy and abortions. I'm your host, Sophie, and I have a period, and I want to talk about it. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Pick Me Up Pod. I'm super, super excited to introduce to you guys today um, your cycle-syncing BFF, Consciously Kate. Welcome to the show. How are you doing on this fine Thursday morning, Kate? Oh, I am so good. It it, it just, there's like a huge snowstorm, so I'm nice and cozy and I'm happy to be here. You're up in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> nice. Um, this is actually the first winter that I've been in New York that there has not been a single snowflake. It's a little bit colder. I feel like whatever temperature it is in New York City, in Toronto, it's like at least like five or 10 degrees colder. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, it's raining today. So the fact that you're getting a little bit of snow today makes sense. That, that tracks yeah. for sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so I actually came across Kate on TikTok, um, which is where I hang out a lot of the time. And as the algorithm does, it knows what your interests are. And um, I came across your content recently. And um, you make like some of the best, like most informative content about um, your menstrual cycle, about the different phases. And I think you do such an amazing job of like, normalizing the menstrual cycle and a lot of the emotions um, that might come along with shifts um, that people experience throughout it. I wish that I had been born like 10 years earlier so I could have seen this stuff when I was like a kid. Um, so yeah, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for like putting yourself out there and, and making content that is, you know, normalizing menstruation and also like your stuff is like really funny too. Like you're so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's always so nice to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're like, you're making like a big impact, you know, even though like, it, like you're probably like, oh, like I'm just like making these videos. Like it actually like really affects people's lives and if anyone's listening that has feels like they have like something to say, like I would encourage people to just start making content. Like mm -hmm. I've started doing the same thing. Um, everyone has a voice and something to say. Um, but yeah, so I reached out to you and you luckily responded, even though you've been blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> I'm glad I yeah. I'm glad I caught you. Um, who knows? Like you might have like a million followers and not be able to respond to DMs in like a year. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you guys know, I always um, go a little bit more personal um, in this podcast. So obviously Kate has a wealth of knowledge um, that has to do with menstruation and, and all the things that go along with it. Um, but I wanted to um, take a moment and get to know a little bit more about your personal journey and why you started making content about the menstrual cycle and your journey um, with your own period. Um, so I'd like to ask you the question, what was kind of going on through your mind? Where were you? What was going on when you got your first period? Yeah, it, it's so funny because I feel like some people can't really remember, maybe, but I have like a vivid memory of when I first got my period. I remember I had just finished my guitar lesson because I was a little emo kid and I was 14 years old. So I was the last one out of my friends to get it. So I went to the bathroom, 
saw that I had gotten it, knew exactly what it was. Instead of running to my mom, I ran up. All of my best friends lived beside me, across the street and behind me. So I ran to one of my friend's house and like celebrated because I finally felt not left out anymore um, and was really excited about it. But I did not talk to my mom about it. She eventually realized that I was stealing her pads from underneath her her bathroom cabinet. So then she just started to put them under my cabinet. And I never talked to my mom about it, which is which is wild thinking about it now. That's I feel like that's a very like sweet. It's a little bit awkward like looking back like I know we talked about this before before we started recording um but I had a very similar experience with my mom for some reason I was a very uncomfortable kid and I like just didn't feel comfy asking my mom about that kind of stuff um but I feel like your mom kind of recognized that you were uncomfortable talking about her maybe she was even too and she was just like well I'm just gonna put them there for you Yeah, yeah. Years later, like this year, I talked to her about it and she said that she just felt like she never had to worry about me. I was so independent and she just knew that if I really needed to talk to her, I would. And that's probably true Mm -hmm. because I was actually um, in one of like these care package kits that you got when you were a teen that came with like uh, shaving cream and like a little box of little tampons there was like a website on the box of the tampon. So I would like be at my family computer on that website learning all about periods because that's just who I was. I was always a researcher of menstrual cycles, I guess. That's amazing. And so you said that you were one of the last of your friend group to get your period when you were, you know, around the age of 14. Um, How did you learn about your period or what periods were through your friends was it through sex ed um it seems like you didn't really talk to your mom that much about it yeah I I think I I learned from school I went to a Catholic school so it was you know they separated the boys and the girls and we learned about the menstrual cycle but I really only remember learning about periods that's the kind of the biggest takeaway and then obviously never have sex (laughs) be abstinent because once you get your period you (laughs) will get pregnant like that which is simply not true um and I honestly like looking back I didn't know what ovulation was I didn't know how your cervical fluid changes throughout the cycle I I knew relatively nothing about my cycle and that's because of the I don't think it's changed that much, but the the state of sex ed in schools. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm thinking back to the sex ed I had in, I think it was probably sixth or seventh grade when I was around 12 or 13, which I think probably is a little bit too late for a lot of people. Um, from a lot of the research I've done and people that I've talked to, the, the age that um, people get their first period has gone back dramatically. A lot of people are getting their first period at, you know, it used to be 50 years ago, it would be like 14 to 16, and now it's more like 10, 11, 12. Yeah, yeah um, the, the average is 12, but kids are getting their period as early as eight. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't speak to any of the scientific reasons as to why that might be happening. Um, Insert comment about microplastics, but that's Mm -hmm. more of a conspiracy theory that we can get to and something else. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like the sex ed is just coming a little bit too late for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I definitely had it before I had my period, but 
I don't know. I can't imagine like if I were eight years old, I would have no idea what's happening. And like, you know, it's hard. I mean, oftentimes I think, you know, as society, we expect parents to kind of take on the role of like teaching young children about sex and, you know, periods and sexuality and all these things. And I mean, I know from my personal experience, like that is not something that happened in my household. And, you know, my parents are lovely and pretty open about most things, but that still didn't happen in my house. Like, I mean, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I feel like in the majority of households that like probably isn't happening. And I think it's just because the topic is probably shrouded in a lot of shame. But similarly to you, uh, when I had sex ed and learned about my periods, the focus was really just on the menstruating part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't learn about ovulation or all of those things, which is like and this is something that I really like in your con in your content specifically. Um, you, you have you like make a lot of these videos that talk about like your menstrual cycle is not just when you bleed, but it's like the entirety of the cycle. Um, so as someone who you know like studies this stuff and makes content about it, what was the moment for you? And was there like a reason why you started doing all this research um, that you like learned about? you know, your period um, is not just about bleeding. Yeah. And and so before I get into that, I, I just want to make a note that I think it's so funny that when we're taught menstrual education, the focus is on period when the most important part of the menstrual cycle is ovulation. There is no periods without ovulation. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's just funny. But I really started getting into this because for most of my life, I've had a really bad relationship to my body. I feel like I was put on this earth to literally heal my relationship to my body. I I did not like myself when I was a teen into my 20s, late 20s. And, and so this was kind of like a accumulation of my healing journey. So I, I was a yoga teacher and Pilates instructor, a mindful meditation instructor. And then I, I think I just stumbled upon a podcast about, um, about the menstrual cycle and was like, huh, like I've been on birth control for 10 years or so. And I, I don't know what that means. And I don't know what it means to have a natural cycle or how that would feel. And so when I came off birth control, it was like a fog had been lifted. And so then I just researched everything that I possibly could. I got certified in in women's, a women's health coach and just dove deep because it was one of the biggest healing moments for me in my life. Yeah. Wow. That is so, so, so special and strong. And I think that's a very similar story um, that I hear from from other people. I mean, like besides this podcast, I like I will. I'm sure you're similar, but I'm like I'll be at a bar and I will start talking about periods. (laughs) Um, But for a lot of people, it's either something like for me personally, something really scary happens where they have a negative reaction to birth control, whether that be physical, their physical health or their mental health. Or it kind of looks like this trajectory of, pe- trajectory of people going on this like healing journey of like actually starting to question things and choices that they're making, whether that's like, hey, like I've been eating this like f- the same diet for like so long. I don't really feel good. And then they like switch things up and you're like, oh, my God, if I just know this like a decade ago. 
Um, but it's kind of the same thing with birth control for a lot of people. Like it's one of those things that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we aren't taught to question. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like when you're young, like you get taken to the doctor and they're like, oh, like this is, you know, it's almost like a rite of passage when you're in your late teens um, or if you start, you know, having sex um, that you go and like you get put on birth control. It's like kind of like I remember when I went to the doctor and I first started being sexually active and I was like, oh, like I'm being responsible. I'm being an adult. It was like an exciting experience for me to go and like have this conversation with an OBGYN was like, yes, like this is going to be the right birth control for you. Um, And I thought it was great, but not really realizing that the conversation that I had with this doctor was like kind of brief. It wasn't really touching on my family history in terms of having blood clots and all of these things. Mm. And what I ended up being prescribed was like probably not what I should have been prescribed given my family history. And I also had no idea that I could have um, such negative mental side effects. Um, I think birth control and I had someone on um, one of my closest and longest friends on the podcast last week who has had an IUD for about, you know, four or five years. And she loves it. It's like the best thing. She had a horrible periods. Like when she was like, you know, first started getting her period around 14, um, the birth control, she didn't love. Then she got an IUD. She doesn't get her period. She's getting it reinserted. And all that is to say, it's like, from my perspective, it's like whatever works for you as long as there's an element of like consent around it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like we need to have informed consent. And even when we go on birth control for, you know, heavy periods or, um, you know, period problems, I think that it's also worth note to actually get to the bottom of why those are happening. Like, why are you getting heavy periods? Why are you getting cramps that are making you not able to leave your bed? And then from there, we can make the informed decision to go on birth control if that's right for you or we make lifestyle changes or whatever. I I know for me, when I was on birth control, I didn't realize that the reason why or maybe not the full reason, but for me, a, a big reason to why I was very depressed and anxious and I had no sexual desire at all. So for 10 years, I thought that I was just a shell of a person who, who never wanted to have sex. I didn't realize that until after I came off the pill. And then it was like, oh, whoa. Suddenly, I'm not depressed all of the time. Suddenly, I actually have sexual desire, especially around ovulation. And so I feel actually very sad that I spent 10 years, 10 important years of my life on the pill when I wasn't experiencing ovulation, which to me is, is such a powerful time. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, that time was in some ways, you know, they weren't, the time wasn't lost, but certain aspects of, you know, that decade was a little bit stolen from you because you weren't able to make, you know, an actual informed decision about it. Um, I feel very, oh, there's so so many points. Like I was like mentally taking notes while you were talking. Um, But I feel like, yeah, exactly what you were saying. Um, If you are having or experiencing, you know, really horrible cramps and like um, 
like I have been experiencing like intense, intense like bouts of depression right before I get my period. And that has gotten increasingly, increasingly worse over the course of the last six years to the point where I've, you know, tried oral contraceptives again. And like, again, like I got so depressed on them. I did not want to have sex. I would like make the joke to my partner at the time. I'm like, this is all the birth control I need because I'm not, I'm not going to fuck you. There's no way. <laughs> I'm like, I was like grossed out by the thought of having sex mm-hmm. when I was on oral contraceptives. And um, oh, there's a study that I recently learned about. Um, have you, are you at all familiar with Andrew Huberman? No. I will send you this episode after we hop off. Um, but he did an incredible episode about female hormonal health with um, her name is evading me, but she is like an OBGYN and she um, does a lot of research into hormonal health. And there have actually been a lot of studies done on oral contraceptives that show that um, they reduce the size of the clitoris um, mm-hmm. permanently. And I mean, that is just like a huge like aspect that no one is told when they're younger. Like you're not even able to consent to like a a permanent change that is being done to your body. Um, but yeah, so I like really struggled with painful periods. The oral contraceptives weren't working for me. And it wasn't until this was probably only six months ago, I ended up going to an OBGYN and I was like, I thought I had gotten one of those Nuva rings stuck okay. inside of me. Um, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with the Nuva ring, it is uh, a hormonal contraceptive. It's like a ring. They're not small rings no. um, that you insert inside your vagina and you take them out after three weeks and then you have um, a like tech, not technically, but you have like a, a release of blood and then you put another one in and like a friend really loved it. So I was like, OK, like I am getting so much anxiety every single month. I'm like kind of incapacitated for about a week. Like for three days, like I'm working from home. I'm literally like horizontal on my bed with a heating pad. And if there's a social event that I was looking forward to that happens to fall during those three days, I can't go. Yeah. So it was just like, I kindly, I finally felt like, okay, like I need to take action because like, I don't want to live the rest of my like menstruating years, which is like, you know, gonna be another couple of decades, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> knock on wood. Um, I don't want to live like this. Um, so I ended up trying out the Nuvering. And I like couldn't, I couldn't find it. It actually, no, I wanted to take it out because it was again, making me incredibly depressed. Like I, I'm a pretty positive, happy person. Like for me to go from one week to the next, having actual suicidal thoughts, there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong. And I had changed nothing about my life except for I was taking this. And my friend that recommended it to me, she said, you know, give it a month. Like, it will like you'll start to like get used to it and like those emotions will go away they did not go away and I was like I can't do this anymore so I go in to like yank it out immediately I'm like I'm not doing this anymore I couldn't find it so I'm like freaking out I'm like I would have heard it if it fell out when I was using the restroom um I had so like my previous partner like went in and like tried to find he's like I can't get it anyway so I'm like I'm kind of freaking out I like, I know that like it didn't go up my cervix. I know things can't get lost up there. I use a menstrual cup too. Like I'm very comfortable. Um, So I like, I go to an OBGYN the next day and I'm like, just do a sonogram. Like, I just want to make sure it's not still in there. 
So she does a sonogram. She's like, okay, nothing, but you have an enormous fibroid on your uterus. And uh-huh. I'm like, uh, a what? <laughs> a what? I have no idea what it is. I'd never heard of that before. And, you know, I go to the OBGYN once a year and like, it's been fine so far. You know, they give me a call after and say, pap smear, good. And I say, thank yeah. you. Hang up. And um, I, I don't know. I didn't have the best experience at this office. And she was like, I was like, okay, like, what can we do? She's like, well, like, we would put you back on the birth control. And then, like, after you're done having kids, we'll just take out your uterus. And I said, ma'am, print out the sonogram. It, give me the page. I'll do my copay. And then I'm going to a different doctor. Like, that was... Definitely. I was like, anyway, she was like, anyway. So that was just not a super good experience. But um, I started doing a lot of research into them. And I was like, okay, like, this is like, you know, benign tumors, like very common, up to 70%, 70, 80% of women will develop them. Um, but I realized that that is what was causing probably all of my pain. And yes. I had probably been growing this fibroid for like probably the last five years since I started having heavy periods. And I didn't even know what that was. And it wasn't until like recently I asked my mom about it. She's like, oh yeah, I had them too. I'm like, why is no one talking about it? Yeah, yeah. Why Why are we just all suffering in silence? <laughs> right. And um, yeah, and that led me down this whole like path of like, okay, like I'll, sometimes the, again, this is not any kind of medical advice or coming from a scientific mind, but um what can cause or what they say causes the growth of these fibroids is an estrogen dominance in the body um which can be caused by a lot of different things genetics environmental factors as well as um thyroid problems um and i like remembered that i had been like 10 years ago um some doctor had told me that I had like a hypoactive thyroid, but not to worry about it. And I was like, oh my God, I think I just have like an underlying thyroid issue. Um, So I kind of spent the last few months really like trying to figure out what diet might be best for me. And I like have been eating a lot more. And this is just what has worked for me. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. go out and do this without consulting a dietitian or anything, but I started eating a lot more like fats and yeah. like really healthy proteins and I've like and this was hard this was really hard I because I was coming from a mostly vegetarian diet of eating pasta and bread every day I cut it out completely and it took four months and I thought it wasn't going to have an effect but the last period that it just ended I almost like I might start crying right now because like it's like wasn't painful mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I've had a period like that since I was maybe like 19. Actually, wow. I can't believe I'm like getting emotional about it. But it is emotional. It's, it's, it happens for like, a week out of the month. Yeah. And I was like on day two of my period where usually I would have been like, I was like, I went to a, like house parties. Like, wow. I was like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was that was my personal story with it, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny just because of the diet stuff. We won't go too much too much into it because everyone's different. But I think it's interesting that we've kind of been told all of these kinds of diets that are best for us, but they're not really taking into account the menstrual cycle. And so when you it takes a lot of a calories to ovulate and to have a healthy period. So most of us go through life and we are undernourished. We are not getting enough 
uh, vitamins and minerals, and we're simply not nourishing ourselves so that we can have this healthy period. And so a lot of people find when they start eating more meat, uh, maybe controversial, and I'm sorry for all of the, the vegans out there, but a lot of people find that when they're having period problems, when they start to eat more meat and, you know, start really nourishing themselves, a lot of their period problems go away. It has been so, like, transformational. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest problems I've had in going to, you know, different doctors, and I had a lot of, um, I had very bad cystic acne also for the last 10 years, and that really corroborated with the occurrence of these painful periods. And I, got, you know, went to dermatologists. After dermatologists, I ended up being put on Accutane, which cleared it up. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember going to all these doctors, and they're like, you know, like, food has nothing to do with it like your diet has nothing to do with it every single doctor says that and then it's like I don't know it's has placed a little bit of like distrust in authority for me and I think the onus unfortunately and I wish this weren't the case the onus on figuring out how your body works and what works for you like is on every single individual and that costs a lot of like resources and time that not everyone has the privilege to explore like I you know I'm grateful I work mostly from home and like when I'm not super busy I'm like looking up different diets and watching you know content creators like you like who can like teach me about this kind of stuff said everyone is kind of like suffering in silence I think we're literally gaslighting ourselves (laughs) I mentioned that you were on birth control for for 10 years Mm -hmm. what was the process of you going on to that and Aside from, you know, the the byproducts of not having sexual desire and having that brain fog that you described, um, did you like like it aside from that? Did it kind of clear up other symptoms that you were struggling with or, you know, have the contraceptive effect that you might have wanted? I I mean, I I, I had (laughs) unprotected sex. (laughs) That was great. Um, What else happened? Yeah, I, I I liked that I would I never had my period because I would never take the sugar pack. Wow, so I really? Just never. Yeah, because you can. It's not a real period. You can you can do that. If after a couple of months you might spot, but um, since you're not ovulating, there's no there's no medical reason for you to have a period um, on the um, combo oral uh, contraception. Um, but I, yeah, I I don't know I. I can't really remember any positives besides like the sex stuff and the not having the periods. But now that I know that I, you really should have a period. Um, it's a, it's one of the fifth vital signs. It's one of the most, it's a key indicator of your overall health and well-being. Mm. And so I'm going to just go, I'm going on a tangent. I can feel myself going on a tangent. No, please, <laughs> please go on the tangent. Take all the tangents. <laughs> but like, when I was in my early 20s, I struggled a lot with um, disordered eating, um, and I ate little. I worked out six days a week. I was very, very small, um, and the thing is, is, I was on hormonal birth control at the time, but I think that if I had not been on the pill, I wouldn't have had my period. And so I think that if I was, if I wasn't on the pill back then, I would have more easily been able to 
realize and see that I had a, a huge problem with yeah. my eating. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's for other people as well when they, you know, we were obsessed with eating clean or we were trying to lose weight and then we, if we're not on, if we are on hormonal contraception, then maybe we're missing those signals from our bodies. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I, I think more people than, than not have struggled with that, especially, you know, like growing up during this time. Um, I have a very similar experience. So when I was 17, 18, I fell into the worst Tumblr hole that you could imagine of like, it was like, I don't even remember what they were called. It was like pro anorexia or like pro and yeah. And up until that point, I was very healthy. Like I was like a pretty chubby kid and like, I didn't like that, but like, I was like very healthy. Like I loved foods. I like cooked a lot. Um, Food Network was always my passion. Had like a very healthy relationship. And then I think probably it was probably the crux of, you know, like being like 15, 16 and all of a sudden like you want to be like attractive and then seeing what is like attractive in the media and then falling into the worst Tumblr hole ever. Um, I became like pretty heavily bulimic for a year and would eat like, I would never download one of these apps again. I'm sure it works for some people, but like these calorie counter apps, Mm -hmm. I will never touch that again. And I probably, it was really bad for a year to the point where like I didn't share it with anyone and I kind of like moved past it on my own, but I definitely needed therapy. Like it was probably, it was largely to my detriment that I didn't seek out help. Um, But there were probably like four months where I did not get my period. And I was like, I was a virgin. I was like, am I pregnant? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that you could you would stop getting your period if you only ate a thousand calories a day and were like a hundred pounds. Like, I didn't know that would happen. Um, But I think, yeah, my so my exactly what you were saying, like your period is such an indicator of your underlying health. And Mm -hmm. I what I experienced genuinely last week when I had my period, I was like, oh my god like I'm finally feeling like mentally and physically better and like it's like the KPI I was like oh and my period is my period is so much better now too and it's just like actually like the last two weeks like I would thought I had a good relationship to my period but I was actually like it made me so like almost like more excited to get my period and I think we have such a negative connotation with it. Like as a society, I think me and you are probably anomalies. We're like, yeah, I love my period. I love my period. Um, (laughs) But um, I think that like fertility, if you purely think about fertility as like the perpetuation of the human race, like it's such a, it's like the most important thing. Like all the like these like sci-fi documentaries that are coming out, it's like, always like imagine the world if like women are losing their fertility like we actually in 100 years would die out yeah like it is such a vital and important thing and the fact that it's shrouded in such taboo is like pretty fucked up in my no i know it's it's really it's really messed up because you know i i'm sure most of us have heard that periods are gross you can't talk about them they're smelly they are they're just something to be completely hidden but like if you think about it from a from a biological evolutionary perspective when you're getting your period you know that you're healthy enough to ovulate 
Yeah. And, and I really a- liked what you said at the beginning. And it actually like contextualized this in a new way for me. Um, like you don't get your period without ovulation. Like periods like don't exist without without that. And like we talk about periods and we talk about like the bleeding stage so much because it's like what is tangible and it's also what is able to be commercialized through different products, right? Like we never talk about like the other aspects of our cycle. Like there's not really any money to be made, to be squeezed out of them by capitalism is there. Exactly. I mean exactly. like I don't know, like I'm sure there could be. I'm sure capitalism will find a way. Um oh, yeah. but no one really talks about like the ovulation and like because it's like it's not seen right but it's like really the most important part and exactly what you said like you know if you're like taking care of yourself and um you're like healthy and doing all these good things for your body and your mind you're going to ovulate and like the ovulation is at the end of the day what what causes your your period to happen and I think one of the coolest things that I learned in learning about the different phases um is the fact that depending on how much stress you have in your follicular phase and like what's going on then the timing of your period can shift because you're you know you can ovulate sooner or later um and I would love to hear more about like what that shift can look like and what some of the the causes are yeah yeah so (laughs) it's funny because when you think of the menstrual cycle, like we've discussed, we think about just our period, but it's actually four phases of the menstrual cycle. And your follicular phase, which is this first half of your cycle, but we're going to just say the follicular phase or the pre-ovulatory phase, so we're not confusing <laughs> um, people. So you have your period, and then you have your pre-ovulatory phase, and you're in that phase until you ovulate. Now, your pre-ovulatory phase has the most flexibility. And basically think of your body as gearing up for ovulation. It's like, okay, estrogen is starting. Your FSH, your follicle-stimulating hormone, is starting. We're, we're stimulating our, our little follicles that contain the eggs until one egg is chosen. But say you are super stressed. Okay, your body is actually very, very sensitive to stress, whether that be losing your job, <laughs> being in a relationship you don't like, going to a job you hate, um, and having this constant stress. Because if you think about it, when we were like – cave people, if there was a tiger coming or maybe we were in a famine, your body makes the executive decision to not ovulate because it's not a good time to have a baby. And so your your menstrual cycle is very susceptible to stress. It's very susceptible to um, calorie restriction. So as little as as three to four hundred calorie deficits can be um, impactful for the menstrual cycle. And then, of course, um, over-exercising and um, there's lots of other reasons why you might have um, an irregular menstrual cycle. But basically, your your follicular phase, you're in it until you ovulate. So you can actually be in it. And if you have an irregular cycle, you're in your follicular phase until you ovulate. But then once you ovulate, the next half is your luteal phase because of your corpus luteum, which... I'm going to go just a little bit scientific for a second because I just think it's so cool. But so the follicle that contained your egg, once it, once the egg ruptures out of the follicle, it actually turns into a temporary gland called the corpus luteum. So all of a sudden you have this temporary gland, which uh, 
men <laughs> cannot create a temporary gland in their body. And so this corpus luteum, it actually produces the progesterone um, in the second half of your cycle. And so what progesterone does is keeps the uterine lining nice and thick and luscious for a potential baby to be made. Um, and so in your luteal phase, the thing is, is that your luteal phase is actually very fixed in length. It can only last between 11 to 16 days and then your period is going to come or you're going to um, have a baby oh thank you so much for taking me through that i learned like three new things even though i thought i had a grasp of all the different phases we actually create another gland yeah and, and then it and then it it goes away and then it starts all over it's just like it's so cool to learn about the stuff that's going on in your body and i think it's so it makes me feel so like lucky to have the body that i do and I just don't know why this isn't taught in no. school to yeah. like literally all children. Um, it's so unfortunate because I just I learned something new. Mm -hmm. And I ask like where you are in your cycle right now and how that's affecting what's going on with you. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to get my period any minute, literally. <laughs> like I saw, I saw in my Aura app that my temperature dropped. Um, and so if you're tracking your temperature after you ovulate your temperature rises between 0.4 to 1 degree and it stays up until you um get your period but the day before your period or like at 24 hours your temperature is going to drop and so i saw that and i know i have my period underwear on because yeah. i know i'm gonna i'm gonna get my period <laughs> like Wait. literally probably within the next couple of hours that's amazing i really want to get one of those rings i'm not gonna lie Oh yeah. my god, wait, can, I, really... can you flash it? Oh, it looks so good too. Yeah. Also, yeah. I love your nails. That's a total Thank side, you. but your nails are Thank amazing. You. Thank you. I it's funny, when we were supposed to record last week, but I messed up the time, I was exactly like I'm like seven days like further than you in my cycle. Mm. I like after that hour that we were supposed to record, I got it literally the minute after. And it's just like, I don't know. And I've like it's strange You're because I had such a second. good like in terms of like how I felt during, oh no. Oh, hey, you're back. Okay, perfect. Okay, perfect. Um, I had such a good, in terms of like my, my actual, the actual menstruation of my previous cycle was so easy. And like, I took like maybe one or two Advil and I was just like cruising the rest of the time, like very like able to be active and like went on like walks and stuff. I mean, I did like slow down a little bit, but that's just to be, that's normal. Um, but the 24 hours before, I swear, I was like losing my will to live. Like I was like, and I know that's when I'm about to get it. Like, but then the, literally yeah. the second I go to the restroom and I'm like, I like when I first get my period, it's not like, oh, blood immediately. I It's like kind of pink, like I'll wipe and it's like kind of pink. Yes. And then I'm like, I'm as soon as that happens, my depression just goes away. Like literally like, yeah. I don't know what hormone is dropping. But like the 24 hours, like where you are right now, I'm like losing my fucking shit. <laughs> but like being able to know like, oh, yeah. why that yeah. is. Like, also, I also like, yeah. And also being cognizant of the fact that like this is why and it will pass. Takes like all the, exactly. for me, take the stress out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, for me, I struggle if I'm not really focusing on 
eating every three to four hours, keeping my blood sugar balanced, doing all of the self-care things in my luteal phase, I am a disaster zone. I, I already struggle with depression and anxiety. So when your your hormones are dipping, when progesterone and estrogen um, are dipping after the, you realize, your body realizes that you're not going to conceive, that's when a lot of PMS symptoms start to show up. And it can also spotlight any mental health issues that are already there. It's like, okay, or chronic pain and, and things yeah. like that. And so when I'm in my luteal phase, I I really have to be careful because wow. I can easily slip into into depression. And, and this, I've been quite, I've been, it's been so busy this month that I have been a little bit more stressed and I can feel it. I'm yeah. like a tension bubble waiting to pop. So as soon as I see my period, I'm going to be very relieved. Yeah. So what do you um, recommend to some of the people that you work with? I know in their luteal, luteal phase specifically, I know you mentioned like really emphasizing those self-care um, processes, but what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. So in your luteal phase, um, your metabolism, your metabolism is, is a little bit quicker. So you need a little bit more food and you're more susceptible to um, blood glucose instability. So you need to be very cognizant of when you're eating and how much you're eating because um, blood sugar imbalance can look very similar to how you feel when you're PMS, you know, moody and um, heart palpitations and anxiety and all of those things. And so one of the main things that we really have to start focusing on is eating every three to four hours, eating protein, healthy fat, and complex carbs. Carbs are your friend um, in this phase. Um, and you also want to do things like, this is a great time to cancel plans <laughs> if if you can, um, or be very, very, um, very direct with your energy. Like, who do you want to bring into your life in this phase? Or like, who do you not? Do you actually want to go see that person? Or can it wait a week? Um, things like that. You really want to get quality sleep, of course, but you're um, in the second half of your cycle, you might be more um, prone to sleep disturbances. So that's another thing as well. Um, I could go on and on all things like magnesium, um, you know, getting all of the, you know, zinc, vitamin, vitamin D, vitamin C. Um, and if you're really struggling, before you take it, you should probably talk to a naturopath or your doctor, but things like Vitex um, and SAMe. I personally, and this is just my experience, um, I, after I ovulate, I start taking SAMe um, after I ovulate um, just for the second half of my cycle, and it helps tremendously with my mood. Wow, I just looked like both of those things up. Mm -hmm. What is SAMe? It reduces muscle and connective tissue pain. It's As a it's a mood stabilizer. Oh wow! Is yeah. this like something? Oh, wow, it's found naturally in the body already. Is this mm -hmm. something you can get from food, or is this something that it's, it's a it's a supplement? Oh wow! I'm mm -hmm. so into supplements. I don't know if I've yeah. already told you about my supplement regimen. Oh, I, I take all. I take all of it. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I love that. And something that I really like about your content and about what you just re-emphasized is really planning, being intentional with yourself and your time and the people you let into your space, and being intentional about your cycle as well. Like right now, I told you I had my period last week. Right now, I'm like very energetic. Mm -hmm. um, I have so many plans this weekend that I'm really excited for. Um, 
But also in watching some of your stuff and pulling from your tips, I like have really front loaded in my month, like all those social things. And I know like towards the end of the month, I'm like going to be looking forward to like Saturday nights where I'm just at home with my book. And I have really started and like it takes like practice and like it will probably take me, you know, like a year or so to like really get good at like being intentional about like how I make my plans. But like, oh, my God, like if I'm able to do this, like more so on a monthly basis, like my quality of life is just going to go up dramatically because I'm just like working around like myself and being true to my body and my needs like if that's not like the biggest like self-love expression that there ever was like that's amazing exactly Um, so 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 it switches from feeling like you're broken from feeling like you have to be a certain person to then just being aware of how you're feeling, how your hormones. So it's the understanding, it's the knowledge piece with understanding your hormones. And then it's this, it's a self-compassion. So it takes it from very blamey and shamey to actually what, like you said, like an act of self-love. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I have a final question for you before I give you some space to plug your content. And that is, if you were able to go back to, you know, your 14-year-old self that got her period and was, like, stealing pads from her from, from her mom, if you could give her one piece of advice about her body and her period, um, what, what might that be? It would be to trust yourself. It would be to understand and really get to know your body because – while you think it's the enemy, while you are hating the body that you're living in, it's actually going to become like your your greatest gift and, and your, your best friend. So the magic really lies in your relationship to your body. And I wish that I could hug my 14-year-old self and, and just tell her that. That's amazing. Well, I feel like you're doing the same thing for a bunch of 14 year olds now that are on TikTok. So in a way, in a way you are. I mean, you are for you are for me. (laughs) Well, thank you so much um, for coming on. This was such a special conversation. I can't believe I almost started crying. That's very not like me. Um, But yes, where can we find you? What are you up to? I will link everything that you just described in the show notes for everyone to go follow. Yeah, so you can find me. I, I hang mostly on TikTok, so Consciously Kate. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, my website is consciouslykate.com. And so I have a couple of different ways that you can work with me one-on-one. Um, you, I also have a mini course called Befriend Your Body where you can really start to understand your menstrual cycle and start to track your cycle. And then my my main offering is Rhythm. It's my cycle syncing course where I teach you how to cycle sync, self-care, productivity, um, cycle supportive nutrition, and exercise. So it's everything. It's like the, I think of it as like the Bible <laughs> of cycle syncing. And yeah, I, I'd love to. And if you have any questions about this episode, episode my dms are always open amazing well that's definitely where i reached out to you and i think the world is in desperate need of a period bible yes (laughs) that's amazing well thank you so much for hopping on and i will talk to the rest of you guys next week 